Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Rightly Dividing the Word. Amen. Bible study. This is Pastor John here, and tonight we have a very special night. Uh, It is Ask the Elders. Yes. We want you guys to come on in. Uh, For all of you that are at home, turn up your TVs, grab your Bibles. Uh, Hopefully you already asked your questions. If not, you're going to get that by next month. And you'll hear those uh, questions then. But right now we have some great questions. But before we start tonight, let's uh, go before the Lord in prayer, if that's okay. Is that okay? All right, you guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for allowing us just to make it through this day to be here um, in the house of the Lord or actually even in our homes, in our houses, Lord, even in our cars, God, that your presence is with us wherever we are at. And Lord, we thank you that today as we go forward, Lord, to uh, just bring your word with clarity and understanding. Lord, we thank you that our ears are open to hear your word, our hearts prepared to receive the engrafted word of God, which will save our souls. And Lord, we thank you that today we will never be the same. Lord, we thank you that by your spirit, you will give us that understanding that you will teach us all things. Uh, according to your word, uh, uh, by your spirit. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 I'm a little excited right now. I didn't have coffee, but somebody did. Praise the Lord. But um, yeah, so right now, as you guys already know, over here on my far right is Pastor Donald Johnson. (laughs) And in the middle, in the middle, we have Pastor Jenny Davis. And we have the beautiful Pastor Kaya right next to me. We have some uh, really great questions to ask. to ask of our panel here today. And as you guys already know, I am Pastor John. The R in my name is random. So get ready for some randomness. Okay, you guys ready? All right, so we're going to get started. And we're going to start off with um, some questions. And the first question that we're going to start off is, um, Pastor Donald. We'll we'll, we'll start with Pastor Donald. Yes, I think it is good. So, In the Bible, there are many different books, and we know that there's 66 books in the Bible, but there's a lot of skepticism about what Bibles or what books should be in the Bible and shouldn't be in the Bible. And one of the questions was asked is, what is the book of Enoch, and why isn't it in the Bible? Well, the book of Enoch, um, that's a good question. Um, I've actually probably had that question at one point in time myself. Um, So... Let's just let's just kind of start off. A lot of people probably don't even know who Enoch is, first of all. So just to give you guys a little bit of uh, preface to this answer. Um, first of all, uh, Enoch was the father of Methuselah. OK, some of y'all don't know who Methuselah is, but Methuselah was the oldest dude in the Bible. OK, he lived nine hundred and sixty nine years. That's a long time. Um, so you got Methuselah. Uh, who, who is, who is uh, uh, Enoch's son. And then Methuselah is the grandfather of Noah. Pretty sure you guys heard of that guy. All right. So Noah, the dude that built the ark, he's the great grandson of Enoch. Um, fun fact about Enoch is that Enoch, it says that, that after he uh, had his son and uh, that he walked with the Lord and then he was no more because the Lord took him. What does that mean? That translates to the fact that God snatched him up. So he never saw death. Okay. So that's a fun fact about Enoch. Um, And you find this in Genesis chapter five. Okay. Genesis chapter five. It also tells us this about Enoch in scripture is that Jude references 
what we're, what we're talking about tonight is the, the book of Enoch, okay? So basically, the book of Enoch was something that, that has been said that Enoch chronicled before he was caught up to be with the Lord. However, in the studying of this book, as related to the canon of Scripture and the books that we find in the Bible, it did not withstand the test of being uh, uh, eligible to be considered as Scripture, okay? Um, the book obviously contains some truths as it is referenced by Jude one fourteen. Jude 1.14 says this. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Well, for those of you guys that know, Genesis chapter 5, that's all the way at the beginning of the book. That's the beginning of time. He's Noah's great-grandfather, okay? Noah's great-grandfather. Now, we don't really know about the, the, the prophets until like well after Exodus, Leviticus, all the, all the books of the law. We don't know anything about prophecy really until then. But it refers here in Jude that Enoch was a prophet because he's prophesying of the coming of the Lord. Pretty interesting for him to do that pre-flood, okay? So this gives, this gives some, some extra uh, certification to the fact that Enoch was a righteous dude and that though he may have chronicled some things that could be referenced as truth, overall, we don't know if somebody came along and took those writings and added to them and put their own spin on it. But what we do know is in the testing of whether these things were infallible, it did not withstand the test of time and, and the, whole, the whole test of that. What I do need to tell you guys this is that if you choose to read it, that, you, that it might have a lot of interesting information in there, but you have to treat it as though that it is, it is not God-breathed, it is not God-inspired, and that it is not proven as given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that is the test that I'm talking about that it did not withstand. It didn't withstand by, being, uh, by proving itself to be profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, or for instruction in righteousness. A good read, but it's not withstood that test. It's not God-breathed. Good read, but not, good read, but not, not God-breathed. God oh, that was good. That, that was a, a very uh, uh, good answer. Also, it makes me think that Enoch was called to heaven before he died. So does that mean that Enoch was Enoch knock, knocking on heaven's door? Enoch, actually, the book of Enoch is actually the first e-book. Oh my yeah. <laughs> amen, amen. So we're going to come to the next question. Now, as leaders, as leaders, and I want to ask each one of you guys this, and I want to start with Pastor Kaya. Um, one of these questions wanted to ask you as being a leader is this. How do you manage being overwhelmed as a leader? That's a very good question, Thank Pastor you. John. Yes. You're doing a great job, by the way. Yes. Uh, I would like to answer that question, especially since you asked me. Um, Isaiah 20, chapter 26, verse 3, I wrote that down because I wanted to be sure I, I shared that. And the scripture says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Um, also, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Being a leader uh, in God's, not only do we bear um, the spirit of God, which the byproduct of that is uh, yielding fruit, patience, kindness, meekness, self-control, all those kind of things. Um, however, but being a leader is basically saying, not only do I bear the spirit of God, but I'm going to live this out from in front. And so as a leader, one of the things that I... Um, when the, the, the subject of uh, being overwhelmed comes up, it's almost like tending a garden. If Galatians 5 is talking about fruits of the Spirit, then being overwhelmed or anxiety, those things are weeds that come into the garden. 
So that means that there's something that we have to tend to, to, to prevent it from choking out the fruits of the spirit that we've been called to yield. And so one of the things that I also know that being overwhelmed, being worried, being anxious, all comes honestly from a lack of strength. And our strength is found in prayer. One of the main things that we point to in our spiritual walk is how we measure the quality of our prayer time. Zero prayer time, zero saved. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there is no relationship if there is no prayer. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, when we talk to the Lord, when we continue to connect with him in prayer and, with wor- and in worship, oh, being overwhelmed is not a thing that you come out of your prayer closet with. The Lord equips us with strength, with wisdom, with clarity, with confidence. Uh, we're encouraged in the Lord. And so a lot of times when we, if we are battling uh, thoughts of being overwhelmed or feelings of being overwhelmed, we need to go back, check our garden, Find out what weeds are growing, coming to contend with the fruit, uh, and measure um, what's going on with our prayer time, what's going on with our connection with the Lord. Because we know that if our mind is stayed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Mm, That was good. What about you, Pastor Jenny? That was really good. Um, Just to kind of add on to what you were saying about strength, um, because strength comes in spending time with the Lord in prayer. And sometimes we get overwhelmed as leaders because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And some of us, you know, can handle a lot of things at one time. And so it just sort of, it's our automatic setting to just kind of do, keep doing it, get it accomplished, get it done. And before we've even realized that we haven't consulted with the Lord at all, we're just doing it in our own strength and we become aware of it because we're exhausted, we're tired, we're feeling overwhelmed. Um, and one of the scriptures I, scriptures I love when it comes to this kind of a question um, is found in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, but I, it's a familiar scripture, you know, come unto me all who, who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But I love the way the message version breaks it down. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then I love how he goes on to describe what that looks like. Because most of us think of rest as like, I'm going to go take a nap and that will, you know, I'm going to feel better after I do that. But he says, no, walk with me. Well, walking doesn't sound like rest. Work with me. That doesn't sound like rest. He says, exactly. He's, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's such a key because a lot of times um, before we know it, because we know, a lot, you know that we're capable of doing a lot of things, before we know it, we've taken on things that the Lord hasn't even asked us to wow. take on. Yep. And God's like, I've given you the right exact amount of grace that you need, need in order to do the things that I've instructed you to do. But once you start taking on these extra things... Right. The grace runs out. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The key is keeping company with him. If we want to not be overwhelmed and I want to live lightly, live freely and lightly. I love the way that's described, but that means I'm walking, I'm working, but I'm with in company with God the entire time. So that's so good. And I like the fact that you brought that up about how we're taking on a lot of things. And one of the things that I found of being as being a leader is sometimes I can take on good things, but I'm not taking on the God thing. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many wonderful things that we can do in God's body and his church and it's in his kingdom and there's but at the same time we have a god thing that the lord has called and fastened our heart and tethered our heart to and we need to pay attention to that because just because it's something that's good doesn't mean i'm supposed to do it all like the lord has called all of us as workers in the vineyard and we all have a a piece to 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 do so it's almost like i'm not going to hold up the entire altar by myself like it's all of us coming together and so it's me making room for the my brothers and my sisters and not feeling like i have to take on all the good things i'm going to take on the god thing the lord has called me to do um and not overextend myself and so i think that's really great what you were saying almost like that active rest amen yeah Mm -hmm. like one of the holiest words we can use in our language is no no like it's okay to say no to things like Mm -hmm. we because like you said, everything seems good, but not mm-hmm. everything is God. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to say no so that we can say yes to the things that are there God. You go. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh 
a word that we should use um, a lot, especially as leaders. Yeah. Uh, being overwhelmed, we have to learn to say, uh, no. And that's holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Pastor Donald, what about you, man, as a leader? I would say as a leader, well, kind of going, just piggybacking off of everything that they said, um, you know, being, being in, in company with God is also being in company with his people. And it's, and it's funny that, you know, Pastor Kai referenced Galatians chapter five, because when I, in, in answering this, I was, I went to Galatians chapter six, which right after mm-hmm. that talks about that, that, you know, if you see one of your brothers who is, is falling off in the sand and a lot of times we, we look at sin like, oh, is it adultery or, or idolatry? Would it? And sometimes it's just laziness. Like we get weary and well-doing and to know to do good and not do it, that is sin, right? So if I'm, if I'm growing weary and doing good things, then I'm being tempted to sin and take a break. And, and, and you know, uh, to, to, what does it say? A little folding of the hands and, and, and then next thing you know, the, the whole house is falling apart. So... Um, it's important for us to continue to, to, to be in each other's company, you know, because to be with the people of God is to be with the body of Christ. You know what I'm saying? And you, you always talk about you can't love the head and not love the body. Yeah. And so um, for me as a leader, I, I gather strength from being around the people of God, not just, you know, making sure that, that uh, you know, to be around the people of God is to be a part of a community. And so we don't want to just be the leech that's in the community. We want to be able to spend time with the father. So that way, when we come together in the community that we can contribute that everybody, that's a, that's a, it's a symphony. Everybody has an instrument to play everybody, you know, in, in each one of us, depending upon the note that we we've been assigned, we have a, a note to play and then we have a time of rest as well. So it's like, it's all of these things make the, the, the beautiful symphony that God is orchestrating with all of us being together. So for me, I, I believe Whenever I feel like I'm being overwhelmed, it is, is I'm taking on too much on, on, on my plate myself, or I'm trying to do things in my own strength. And uh, I think I had said this before, but one of the, the, the telltale signs that you need to uh, be in fellowship and be connected and, and, or you may be getting disconnected is when you feel overwhelmed. Mm. Because a lot of us get the mistake um, that, that it's in the Bible that God won't give us more than we can bear. No, he gives us more than we can bear because we need the body of Christ to help us bear the burdens of one another. So, yeah, That was definitely good. Very good. Hope you guys are getting something out of this. Amen. So here's our next question. It is a 20-part question, um, you guys. And um, I'm going to start. Let's, we'll just start right here. We'll start with you, Pastor Kaya. Um, Here's a question. It said, in God's eyes, what is date dating supposed to look like? Am I supposed to date more than one person in, until the topic of exclusivity comes up? Mm-hmm. Is it a worldly concept for me to date? Dating. Let's define dating. Come on, come on. Dating. Dating. Sorry. Okay. Um, dating. I had two coffees today. So when someone tells me what year I graduated high school, when someone tells me what year I was born, when someone tells me what year it was when I rode my first bike, they are dating me. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? So first of all, I want to define dating is, um, uh, it's a, a definition, it's an explanation of how we're spending our time. Okay, and so I want to... I want us as Christians to reestablish how we view how we spend our time. Um, Christians don't do the boyfriend, girlfriend. We don't date. We are covenant keepers. We are keeper of the covenant. How do I know? Because God is a covenant keeping God. I believe, according to the word of God, that we don't just loosely go around and spend our time with anybody. We are intentional about everything that we do. One of the things that I believe that we should be doing as Christian is being Christians is being very open about why you're spending your time with someone. I'm spending my time with you because I am looking for a wife. And one of the reasons why I say that is because that's one of the things that my husband did. He's like, look, I'm not trying to go around here dating a bunch of women. I'm, I want a wife. I want to be married. And I think 
Statements like that earlier on can either scare somebody away or allow somebody to embrace that. Because if they're down for it, they're like, dude, me too. I'm down for that. Or if not, like, whoa, 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 cool your heels. I'm a dater. I like to date. Like, then that can be, that's something that's known um, earlier on. And so, uh, but because what happens is when we get married, our hearts go from um, having a single pursuit, and that's the things of God, to being a little bit divided. You know, and I know this is a little bit controversial, but we know that Apostle Paul talks about um, he, um, he has the gift of being single. Uh, it, it's better to be single uh, so that you can devote your life to the things of God. However, if you're not gifted like me, that's kind of like how Paul put it. If you're not gifted in that way like me, then it's better to marry than to burn. And so I feel like as Christians, we should be intentional about what our intentions are. And we should be intentional about being a covenant keeper and not just spending our time loosely with people, dating. Yes. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Be quite honest. Like you said everything that that I would have said. You know, dating is something that the world created and we're not under the same uh, government and establishment Mm -hmm. that the world creates. And in fact, um, as believers, I feel like anything, I mean, even the word says what the world loves is the things that we should hate actually. Um, And dating is just a worldly concept. Like exactly like you said, my husband did the same thing the second time we ever met each other in person. It was like, I'm not interested in dating just to date and get to know people. You know, he's like, I'm looking for a wife. I'm looking for um, marriage to be the outcome of this, you know? And so, yeah, that's my same thoughts on dating. Amen. And Pastor Donald, you have kind of a very, very uh, biblical um, situation here. Can you talk us, tell us about how you uh, quote unquote dated and how did that happen in your life? So for me, I'm, I'm a bit of an anomaly, <laughs> so to speak, as far as the dating situation. Um, for those of you guys that know, uh, I've been dating uh, since I was 16 years old. Uh, my wife. And so um, at an at a early age, early on, um, having been raised in church, and, and, and I started living for Christ my, for myself, not off of my mother's, <laughs> my mother's relationship, but I developed my own relationship with Christ uh, around the time I was 16. So like shortly before I met my wife. And uh, we, we met at church. We met in youth group. And uh, so from that time, I knew I didn't want to go around dating different different females. Or from from a young age, I knew that I wanted to be married, married to one woman, and have a family. So for me, it was like you know I understood that uh, one what the scripture says that that uh, when when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Um, my wife at the time was she she loved the Lord. She she was a godly young woman and. Uh, she was a lot different than the other girls that may have been interested in me, in me at the times, and I just knew that the Lord had had linked us up, and we became friends. We became friends. We didn't go. We didn't. It wasn't that I saw her. I was like, oh dang, you know what I'm saying? I need. No, it wasn't none of that. It was the fact that we we started talking, and we were talking about the scriptures. We were talking about the things of God, and we got to know one another, and. Uh, so for me, that's that's pretty much what my experience as far as dating was. Um, but as far as dating, yeah, I definitely agree that dating, um, as most people talk about, it, it's a it's a man made concept. It's a it's a worldly thing. Um, even courtship, to a certain extent, is that's like kind of an old Puritan kind of situation uh, where you know the 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 parents of both parties were trying to basically arrange a marriage for the kids. And I don't necessarily know if, if that's necessarily like how God really wants things to be. But um, I honestly believe that uh, whatever relationship that you develop, if God is not the center of it, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting. It's a waste of time. Like, uh, you, you know, you're, you're wasting uh, that other person's time and you're wasting your own time. So um, I'm, I definitely don't agree with dating 
um, in, in accordance with that. And I think this question was also in reference to a Michael Todd uh, mm -hmm. sermon that was about dating, which I did watch. And what he said was pretty plain and simple about it was basically that, you know, uh, when, you're, when you're developing a relationship with somebody, God should be the center of it. And that the problem with a lot of people and in, in their misconception of dating in order to find a spouse is that a lot of times they're not uh, united with Christ themselves prior to trying to engage in a relationship. You learn about love from God because God is love and we love him because he first loved us. But a lot of times we don't learn how to love um, from God. We want to learn from somebody else. Right, like that old eighty song. I want to know what love is, but but you learn it from the wrong place, and so that's what ends up convoluting our relationships. And you know, sad story. Don't get that song stuck in my head. <laughs> right. I did want to just add something to that. You made me think about, um, you know, we're able to love because God first loved us, and I've used that analogy a lot. I'm just thinking about um, my relationship with my husband, just because. When things first started for us, both of us had been through marriages and divorces, and so um, there was a lot of, um, in my own, my own self, was this mistrust, trust in other people, but not trusting my own decisions and choices, because I thought that I had made a good choice in my first husband. And the one thing that God, I remember him clearly promising, his, hearing his voice so clearly when I was going through the divorce, and those of you that have been through that, you know how painful that can be. But in the midst of it, there was this hope, and I heard the Lord tell me, you know, um, in your next relationship, um, you're going to find out what real love really is, what true love really is. And my husband truly demonstrated that, because when we first met, you know, I was pretty set on, this guy's just going to be a friend. We're going to be friends. You know what I mean? I, if, if we get anything out of meeting this person, we met online, just so you guys know. And I was like, we're going to, if anything, when I met him in person, I was like, there wasn't the sparks that a lot of people talk about and the chemistry and all that kind of thing. But a lot of that had to do with, um, again, the mistrust that I had in myself and not, you know, still kind of being a little bit closed off and that kind of, and, and leery. And, um, but he really showed me that kind of love where he pursued me. You know, ladies, if someone is interested in you, they'll let you know. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to have to do anything to make them be more interested in you. Right. The same way we don't have to do anything oh to make God God. love God. us God. anymore. So and he would, he pursued me. Like, he lived in Modesto at the time. I lived in Fairfield. And he would drive up on Friday just so he could spend some time with me, drive back home Friday night. Uh, usually we were hanging out with Donald and Raquel or some of our friends, and and then he would get up Saturday morning, drive back to Fairfield so he could spend time with us again, and then he'd go home Saturday night, and then he'd drive up Sunday morning to go to church together. And it was like, he just showed me over and over, you know, he pursued me. And I just, I, I don't know why, but I just felt like ladies just to be encouraged that like, you know, especially in this day and age, I know dating quote unquote, finding a relationship, courting, whatever you want, whatever label you want to put on it, it's not easy. But um, it, if a man is interested in you, you will know it. Yeah. Let him pursue you. And that was the thing. I found out what true love really was, what it was supposed to look like when I met my husband, um, because he loved me the way that Jesus, the way that God chased after me, yeah, he chased right after right me. Yeah. And so, yeah, that so was the good. point that I wanted and, to make. And, yeah. and ladies, let him pursue you again in the community. Yeah. In the community. Yeah. Like you're, you're, don't, don't be out there by yourself mm -hmm. because, because anybody who's watched National Geographic knows right. that <laughs> when they're out there, like, it ain't just it ain't just men of God that are pursuing a wife. I mean, there's predators out yes. there that pursue right. as well. You know what I'm saying? So uh, don't be off by yourself praying and become prey, but but be in the community mm -hmm. and allow that man to pursue you with the, and and listen to the community. Yeah. That's that's in you because there 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 are men of God that are in your community and even women women of God, but the men of God in your community that are your brothers. Yeah that are your fathers, your, your uncles, or whatever, you know what I'm saying, your elders that will uh, 
tell you the truth, and, and the truth isn't always always what you want to hear. Right. What's funny about it is is in in Jenny just explaining that about you know uh, in her journey of getting to where she's at, how they spent time in in company with me and my wife. Um, that there were times in Jenny's singleness that I was who she referred to as TL. I was tough love, and I would tell her some things that she wasn't really necessarily always <laughs> happy about. But I did it because I loved her, and and I wanted to see God's plan open up for her, and not not allow her to sabotage that. Yeah. yeah. So I love that you mentioned that too, because um, especially well, I, maybe because I don't have deep conversations with single men, but. Sometimes I feel like um, single women can get so infatuated with the vision that they create an idolatry out of it. Like they create an idol out of the vision. And a lot of times I've I've heard them reference like uh, Pastor John and my relationship. It's like don't create an idol out out of our relationship. First of all, you don't know what's going on in the in the background. But secondly, you don't want to have start chasing these uh, shadows of what you think we have, and then. You know, somebody like your spiritual uncle, like Pastor Donald, comes along and be like, no, he ain't it. And then you're offended because you've created an idol out of this vision that you must get to. And so uh, I think that's so great that you mentioned that. Like, only someone that means you harm will cause you to isolate or come come out of your community. Somebody that that wants to uh, embrace the full you would want to come and embrace your community. I've seen that so many times, especially as pastors, when, you know, this lady gets all excited because this man just came along that she thinks he might be it, but he's drawing her away from everything that she was a part of before. That's that that sounds like you're like you said, becoming prey. That was another thing that really drew me to Lionel was that. Mm his desire to get to know my friends, yeah. to be around my family, That's to come. Huge. Like, yes. I didn't ever experience anything like mm-hmm. that before. Like, I mean, he, I felt like almost like he wanted to be friends with my friends more than he wanted to be <laughs> friends with me. Like, awesome. it was at, at some point. But no, I loved that because there was safety in yeah. that. And yes, Donald did, um, I did trust him because like I said, I was having a hard time trusting my own self coming out of a divorce. And um one of the things that I loved about it was that, you know, there were other guys around and he told me the truth about things, but Lionel, like he was Lionel's biggest fan. Like he helped me to see things about Lionel that I didn't even see um, until Donald said some of the things. Like one of the things I remember you saying was that he's the same, whatever situation you put him in. And that meant a lot to me because the biggest thing that I was looking for when I told God and a man is that I need somebody who's genuine. I can't have them be one way in this environment, then they're like this, another way in another environment, and they're one way when they're up on the platform preaching, but then when they're behind the scenes, they're another way. It's like, that was such a big thing to me. So yes, community is so important in this, yeah. Definitely. That was a really good question, because in the community or in Christendom, that whole dating thing, because churches are actually meeting grounds for people, and and we see that, but we want to make sure that in our communities that we have that safety mm-hmm. of the brethren mm-hmm. together. Because I, as I always say, is you know, you know what? If a man's pursuing a woman, you better get to know who the brothers, the brothers are. Yeah. And you get to know them first. And then, and then let me, you know, you know, all of us as pastors have told people before, uh, you might want to hold off on that one. Don't be so thirsty. We, okay, but we're, we're going to get to something else. But listen, in regards, here's another question. In regards to that, what we were just talking about, uh, in 1 Corinthians 7 and 9, and I'll read it real quick. 1 Corinthians 7 and 9 says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. We saw that Pastor Kai had talked about that. So um, let's, uh, Pastor Kai, since you referenced it, should we seek getting married before we learn self-control? Well, one thing I know about being married, you have to have self-control when you're married and self-control when you're unmarried. All right. And first of all, first of all, as a spiritual mama, everybody deserves somebody that possesses the fruits of the spirit. All of them. Like, everybody deserves a spouse that has joy, that's long-suffering, that's kind, that's meek, that has has all those qualities of uh, bearing the spirit of God. And so... Um, whether you're married or unmarried, he should come equipped with some self-control because he or she, sorry, but I'm only talking about the guys. He or she, (laughs) he or she um, 
should have self-control after you're married. There's, there's, there's plenty of times in, when you're married when you have to exercise self-control. Um, because the thing is that I feel like sometimes people have this fictional thought process or vision of what things are like uh, when you get married. But no, self-control is still required in all seasons. So um, I really enjoy uh, hearing Apostle Paul's uh, tone of voice in 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 8 through 9. Um, because one of the things that he says, he says, uh, I wish that you all would uh, not be married. But he references it in a way of, because he knows he has a gift to to not be married, to sustain, to, to have that gift. And actually, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 19. If we start at the 10th verse, it says, Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. And then Jesus says, not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus says, only those whom God helps, okay? So basically, it's like a, it's like a special, special kind of situation. Like, if you, if you can climb that mountain, I'm, I'm going to help you climb that mountain. And so um, self-control is needed whether you're married or unmarried. Um, and so, yeah, he should come equipped with the fruits of the Spirit, which, has a lot, which, which includes a lot more than just self-control. I see you have something to say. Oh, Pastor man, I, I've been waiting to answer this question. <laughs> this question, uh, for the first 10 years that I was in ministry, I was a youth pastor, and this kind of question would come up all the time, um, especially with young couples, mm-hmm. like, because they were like, finally, I've got a reason. You know, like, this was their thing. Like, here's these 18, 19-year-old young people, and they think now they're justified to get married because they... They want to have sex with each other. Like, the, okay, so let's get married. And just exactly what you were saying, Pastor Kaya, because the, the, if there are a lot of good reasons to get married, but the fact that you can't control yourself is probably not on the top of that list of good reasons to get married. And just like you said, I think of marriage like if you're struggling with self-control before you get married, why do you think that being married is going to solve that? Like, marriage is not a solve, uh, an answer, or, or, or the problem solver. It's marriage actually magnifies. Yeah. It's a magnifier. Whatever you are before you get married, it's just going to be magnified once you get married. Right. Like, if you're selfish before you get married, like, you're going to have lots of times mm-hmm. once you get married to be even more selfish. Amen. Like, right. if you're stingy and greedy, you're not generous, like, before you get married, like, when you get married, you're going to have all these opportunities to just be even more stingy and more greedy and not be generous. Like, marriage is a magnifier. And um, just like you said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you deserve a spouse that um, walks in the fruits yeah, of the Spirit. Right. Um, and if you're not, <laughs> I feel like if the fact that you can't control yourself is an indicator that you're not ready to be married. Yeah. Um, and Paul isn't just talking to just any old person when he's saying this. He's not talking to the random single person out there like, I got to find me a husband mm-hmm. because I can't control myself. No, I mean, he's talking to people that are probably already in a relationship. Yeah. They're going down the road towards marriage and they're like, okay, let's not extend this um, engagement. Long engagements are probably not a good idea. Like once you've already said, we're going to get married, like let's just, just let's it. just do it. You know what I mean? Let's, we don't need to wait until everything is all perfectly lined up and all of that. He's like, it's better for you just to go ahead and get married than to burn in sin. And he's not talking about burning in hell. Um, when he says, you know, it's better to marry or burn. He's talking about burning with that desire, these unfulfilled desires. It's like, instead of having to deal with that all the time, just go ahead and get married. But having a lack of self-control is not a good reason to get married. That's not what it should be based on. That was very good. Um, For a lot of you guys that are out there listening, that the clarity that she just spoke was very, very... uh, uh, it's an indicator yeah. for what the scripture is because so many people will take that scripture way out of context. Yeah, so and Paul is basically saying, look, I understand that you've been betrothed because in the Jewish culture, right. they were together. They, they weren't actually, they haven't consummated their marriage, but they're like, I can't wait, I can't wait. And Paul's like, look, let's just get this thing done. I know we got the dowry to explain and do this and do all that, but right now you are out of bounds Just go ahead and get the marriage done. And us as pastors have actually told people, it's like, look, you know what? You guys are acting like you're married. Why don't you just, you're you're going to get married. You have the date set in in six months, but you're still acting like you're married. Let's just, just do a quick, 
right in front of the Lord, make it right with the Lord in the Lord's eyes. In that way, everything will be a-okay. Yeah. Say it that way. Amen. So, good. so um, I have another question for you guys. Uh, this is very, this is very important, especially during this time and day. Um, you guys, what's been going on in 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 um, in the world with COVID and everything else is that mental health is a huge issue, especially right now. Not just with vets, but with people in general. And um, the question is, because we're Christians, you know, we're we're Christians. We we don't need a mental health. We don't need that. We we got the Lord, and we got pastors that can tell us great things. So, Pastor Donald, I'm going to ask you this, man. How does uh, therapy uh, fit in, Christ- in a Christian's walk, if at all? That's a good question. Um, it's funny because I just saw a shirt the other day that said, like, Jesus and therapy. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, for, for a lot of people who have grown up in the church, and I know for me, um, I, I grew up in church, and, like, one of the biggest things was uh, they were like really over-spiritualized a lot of stuff. Over-spiritualized, I mean, I'm not, well, I did. I grew up in a word of faith church. Um, and so like a lot of it was just like, man, just, just you, you could pray it away, you know, laying on a hand, slap you with oil, mm-hmm. blow, blow the breath of, of the spirit on They're you. They're possessed. Right, right. so, so it's like, it, so it was either like, and then, if, and, and then if that didn't work, then it was like, it was possession. It was like, there was no actual, you know, reference to the natural or, or things that are going on. And, and uh, one of the things that I thought w- that, that I found to be very fortunate was just a couple of years ago, um, you know, I've been, I've been saved for quite some time, but I really had to, I came to a wall a couple of years ago where I was like faced with the fact of, you know, why is it that I've been saved this long, but I still have like a lot of these issues, a lot of this, this baggage, you know, I got a lot of unresolved um, you know, I got resentment. I got like this anger. I got a lot of stuff. And, and it's like, I've been growing in age, but my maturity stopped at a certain point, you know? And so it was funny that I ended up doing this, uh, this class. <laughs> you and I did this class together and we did this, uh, evaluation prior to the class. And the questions that they were asking, they were asking you as a believer. It, was, it wasn't that you weren't saved. It was like you as a believer, you who have been saved and even in ministry this long, uh, it basically, the evaluation, all the questions they asked, at the end of the evaluation, it told you whether you were a spiritual, a spiritual infant, <laughs> a spiritual adolescent, or a spiritual adult, basically where your deficiencies were. And for me, I was like, wow, like when it came to, the, the, the traditions and all of the checking of boxes of what looks spiritual, I was, I was good at that. But when it came to the relational aspects of things, I was a, a spiritual adolescent. And when I realized was like, why am I a spiritual adolescent? Because at that time in my life as an adolescent, <laughs> I made up in my mind how I was going to deal with relationships. I, wasn't gonna, I, wasn't gonna, I was only going to let people in so far. And so relationships weren't really on my, on my priority list. So I say that to say this is that what I learned over the last couple of years is that we as Christians, though we might be saved, justified, sanctified, set apart to the use of God, made meat for the master's use, we have some real issues and stuff in healing that needs to take place mentally, emotionally. Um, and a lot of times in church, we only deal with the physical aspect of healing and we don't th- deal with the, the mental aspect or the emotional aspect. And one of the things that I want for any of you guys that might be wrestling with this, I just want to point out a few things. Um, if you look up the word therapy and, and just see what the definition of it, <laughs> the word therapy is a Latin Greek word, which, which basically is the word uh, therapeuo which you will find in scripture. You will find this in scripture. In Luke chapter nine, Matthew chapter 10, when it talks about how God, how Jesus sent the disciples out and empowered them to go out and cast out demons and heal. That is the word therapeuo, therapy, heal, to heal all manners of disease. So when you look up the description of therapy, just the dictionary description of therapy, it, it tells you that it's a Greek word, and it tells you that the word actually means healing or to minister or treat medically. That's good. To minister or to treat medically. So yeah, 
one of the things I also want to point out is the fact that kind of going to the original question that we had tonight about why is certain things included in the scripture and other things aren't. One of the four gospels, which is the gospel of Luke, Luke was a doctor. He was yeah. a doctor. Luke was a physician. We find this out in Colossians chapter 4, 14, where Paul makes reference to him saying, and Luke the physician. So here it is. Luke was not one of the, the, the 12 disciples, but God saw fit to breathe on him to chronicle yeah. the things that took place because of his medical mind and the way that he could appeal to the culture at the time of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles because he was not, he, he was a Gentile. He wasn't even a Jew. Right. Right. He was, he was Grecian. So he understood how they, 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 uh, they held in high esteem medical ways of thinking and these very formal ways of thinking. And so for them, mental soundness was a huge thing. And so it's, it's, it's awesome to see how it's God's plan for us to be whole is not just for our body and it's not just for our spirit, but it's also for our mind yes. in which we are commanded to serve God with. Yes. So I would say therapy has very, is very much a part of your spiritual walk and your relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's really good. Amen. Amen. So, so what we're getting from that is, is basically God wants you healed, not just uh, physically, but emotionally and mentally. He, he, he desires that you prosper even as your soul does yeah. prosper. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen. He wants us to be made whole. So anybody that's out there that, that, you know, you're, you're looking for a place to be able to do that. Part of that is coming to church, first of all. <laughs> but second of all, um, you know, we, we in, the, in the near future will be doing the EHS classes, yes. the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality classes. That was the class that I referenced earlier that I did a couple of years ago. And, it, and it's, it's life changing. It's life altering. You'll never be the same. Yeah. And one of the aspects I, I like about uh, us all and other churches and other ministries that embrace uh, the need for therapy is because therapy is basically saying, I'm not someone that's standing just on my own. Everything that the Lord gives us to do, everything that the Lord calls us to do, everything that the Lord has uh, called or uh, allowed us to prosper as our soul does prosper involves other people. You know, even when you, you, you read the, the scripture in Isaiah, I, I, uh, I've been anointed to preach the gospel, to set at liberty those who are, we're, an, we're anointed to do something to help someone else. And even when we talk, think, talk about the scripture, uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. And so every provision that the Lord has for us and for those around us involves us supplying one for another. And therapy is something that we have to literally sit in front of someone else, confess your faults one to another, and you shall be healed. And so I think therapy uh, encompasses God's idea and design for the need for family and community. And so, yes, we are strong believers in therapy. Amen. Amen. And for those of you that are out there, hopefully you heard what Pastor Donald said, our teaching pastor, by the way, yes. you speaking Greek and everything. <laughs> but no, it's very, it's very important. I also want to state also is that, look, by faith, God says, whatever you do, do it by faith. And I want to tell you something. If you've been prescribed medication by a physician, a psychiatrist, or a therapist, listen, 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 listen. Don't stop taking your medication. You must go to the doctor first. And I'm giving you guys some wisdom. Go to the doctor first before you do it. Because what we're seeing now is a bunch of word of faith people that are saying, look, you don't need that medicine. You can do what God will heal you. And then we end up in a lot of trouble and we end up in places that we shouldn't be uh, spiritually. Just listen to the recommendations of a, of a physician, of people that know what they're doing. Another two I have to say is, as pastors, as uh, people of God, know your place when it comes to counseling. You need to know when to say, I, this is beyond my scope of practice and refer somebody to a professional. Amen. Amen. So we just wanted to uh, answer those questions. Hopefully you guys got something out of this tonight. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This was good. You guys did a fantastic job. Thank you guys so much. Um, we have, do we have any announcements, Pastor Donald, do you know of? 
since you usually do this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have any announcements other than the fact that Thursday, Elevate YM, Elevate. 7 p.m., yeah. make sure your young people are here. And this Sunday yes. is Youth Sunday. Youth Sunday. Yeah. Youth Sunday this Sunday. The you youths. guys need to come through. It's our graduation service. We got a lot of graduates that are in Elevate YM that are graduating from high school. We got some eighth grade promotions as well. Y'all need to come out and, and, and be in the house with us. Elevate Youth Sunday. Yes. Yes. And just as a, as a heads up, Bible, women, when's the women's Bible study? Women's Bible uh, June 10th. That's June 10th. Says. Yes. Register for the Bible study. It's free, but you have to make sure you get purchase your book, which you can do that through the registration. If you don't know how, did I say um, right? No. Um, we tell, tell you, you how, how you, you do, do it, it now. now. That's what they yeah. say. <laughs> so go on to the app, go on to the website, Ray and Charles. register for the Women's Bible Study. And just as, as a heads up, you guys, our 12th anniversary service is happening. <laughs> about to be a whole June. years old. You guys, hopefully, hopefully you guys have submitted your, tell me you go to the building without telling me you go to the building. Yeah. You guys, we're giving away a trip to Disneyland for four. Mm -hmm. They don't what? want it. They don't, they don't want, want it. it. They don't want it. They don't want it. You got, and you guys, you guys better don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. All right. So if that's it, let us pray and excuse you all. Let's pray, you guys. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you for the clarity and the word that we heard today, Lord. We'll take it and hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, we also thank you for those that are joining with us uh, on, on the web, Lord, that are listening. And I thank you that, that we know that your word, as you said, that we send the word and people are healed by your word, Lord, that they will take that word also, Lord, and they will live by that word. It will guide us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, I also pray right now for everybody that is uh, going home, Lord. I thank you for traveling mercies. Lord, I also thank you um, for our children, Lord. I know that, that the school's getting ready to get out, Lord, but I thank you for safety. I thank you, Lord, for health. Lord, I thank you for a peace of mind, um, and we thank you for all these things in the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said amen. 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 You guys go with God. God bless you.